When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Racism, they cry. Be kind. Inspire change. I think Roger Goodell would literally rather have a great race card or whatever, a diversity card, than he would a good Super Bowl. Also, I got to tell you, we weren't wrong about Bill Belichick. I'm not sure we're right. I'll explain because Don't At Me starts right now. Roger Goodell, the NBA, the NFL, everybody's all eating up with diversity cards. Hey, some brother professor says you get a D in diversity. Man, people lose their mind. I'm frankly tired of it. I'm sorry. I am tired of it. I think you are too. Black, white. I got more of my black friends saying, man, I'm so tired. How about we just hire us if we're good enough? How about we just hire you if you're good enough? People are getting tired of hearing them having diversity and change. What change exactly do you want? I want more African-Americans on the sideline. You can't. It's impossible. There's already 99%. Roger Goodell's happy with it. I personally don't care. I don't care who's on the sideline. The only thing I care about the sideline is the body language of the players. I like when we get to. I love when we get to. Idiot wide receiver throwing his helmet. I think that's fun. I think that's great. I think that's interesting. But Roger Goodell is so full of crap, and I don't blame him. Look, Roger Goodell is this. He's a shield. On this side, problems. On this side, owners. Goodell, you are our wall. You are the white walker. You keep the white walkers out. You get on that wall, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell got on that wall yesterday. He used his entire press conference embracing progress. Progress to what? What is progress until there are no more white people in this world, including Goodell? It'd be interesting if a diversity card came out and they took it serious. You know what? You got to strip Roger Goodell of all his powers. You got to strip Roger Goodell of all his money because he's a white guy. We need diversity in the commissioner's office. Get rid of Goodell. I guarantee you. And if they cleaned out his bank account two minutes later, Roger Goodell would be saying, screw this diversity. I want my job back. Well, how many white dudes have lost their jobs unfairly in the name of diversity? I wonder how many people that have worked their ass off lost their jobs in the name of diversity. I saw mine coming at ESPN when Scott Johnson, the best director, and I got bumped off the ACC tournament for diversity. I wonder how many, is that progress? Is it really progress to take somebody that's been incredibly loyal to a company like the NFL over years or as an official that's done a great job over the years and get rid of him or her because of diversity. Is that progress? Is that the progress you want? If it is, you're getting it. Roger Goodell defended everything. But I just want you to think about that for a second. Everybody talks about progress. Is that real progress? Hey, man, you're black. I'm going to put you in this guy's position even though for 25 years this guy's been loyal and he's still really good. But he's white, middle-aged, get rid of him. Is that progress? Okay. 
<clears throat> if it is, it is. And good for you, Roger Goodell. See, nobody really cares about progress. What they care about is scorecard. What does the racial scorecard? There was a there was a uh, activist named Edwards. Oh man, he was a professor at Cal Berkeley. Beard. And if he said something about you good as a white dude, oh my God, you'd brag about it. Bobby and I bragged about this guy Edwards forever. If he said something bad about you, oh my God. They're coming for you. So progress is get rid of Whitey. Let's just call it what it is. And Roger Goodell celebrates it. All right. Okay. Uh, here is a little, we're not satisfied with the progress. Hell no. Hell no, because you still got white faces in the offices and on the sideline. Let's hear from Goodell how we're not satisfied. Um, we are not satisfied where we are. We think that there are, diversity is very good for us as a league. Uh, it's made us better. It gives opportunities to talented people. Uh, I think the hiring cycle uh, was obviously encouraging from a coaching, head coaching standpoint. Uh, as you point out, we don't look at this just in the coaching level or offensive coordinators. We look at this across the board. We look at this from coaching to ownership to presidents to general managers, and we've seen extraordinary progress in all of that. How about the commissioner's office? I get it. He's been there long enough. I mean, his two, he doesn't believe a word he's saying, by the way. I'm just telling you. He don't believe a word he's saying. He's good at spinning it. And again, here's the owner's. Here's Goodell. Goodell's the wall. Problems, wall, Goodell. He doesn't. He's told what to say, and he knows what to say. He's making $40 million a year. He's a smart man. So progress is getting rid of white officials because they're white. That's progress. Hey, I ain't mad at you, but that's what's happening. Progress is getting rid of white coaches. Can't hire white coaches because they're white. Not because they're not as good. They're better in a lot of cases. But, hey, that ain't progress because that guy makes $44 million a year. Racial problems, Goodell, owners, block, block. Put on the J-pads back in the 70s and block. That's a fact. Uh, here's Roger Goodell about professional sports. In uh, professional sports and all sports, officiating is part of that. Uh, I think in the NFL, the level of scrutiny is at the highest I've ever seen it. And that's part of our popularity. I understand that. It's part of the technology. You all do such a great job that you see more than you could ever see in officiating. The game is faster. I think our officials do a great job. They are superior. But at the end of the day, no one's perfect. Uh, whether it's all of us that watches the games or play the games or coach the games or the officials. Uh, we have to continue to try to get better. We have to work, use technology where we can to try to improve uh, their performance, let them use technology to make sure they get the right answer. Uh, but I think they do an incredible job. What's he going to say? Like, this is not progress. What he has done with the officials is not progress. It's actually a world gone backwards. He got rid of, and everybody knows this is not a secret. Everybody knows this. Roger Goodell got rid of experienced, older, white officials. Brought in women, brought in younger guys, fast-tracked people, and the officiating stinks. I mean, you got that fat-ass woman running down the sideline. That she, it can barely get there. Now, let's just be honest. And I'm sure she grades out well because what are you going to do? 
You tell me when you're great, when you make a plan and you say, we are going to get rid of guys like Mark Boltz and others, longtime NFL officials that are still really good. No, very good. That have been mentoring some others. And we're going to fast track diversity, women, uh, African-American, whatever. Younger. I don't care. You can't tell me that the league's getting better. The league is getting worse. And again, this is no secret. Everybody knows they're doing it. Maybe I'm the only one with the cojones to talk about it. But we all know this. So I guarantee you this. They will use, well, you know, our diversity hires rate out at a 99. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Hey, man, give that girl up. I always go back to John Adams, the head of officiating for NCAA basketball, the late John Adams, who, as I'm walking into lunch with him, goes, hey, Dan, as he's making assignments for the NCAA tournament, you know any good African-American officials on the West Coast? I'm like, why? He says, hey, you know what? I got to have one for the tournament. I said, why don't you just hire the best official? Can't do that. So I'm not making stuff up. And the officiating in the NFL stinks. Goodell knows it stinks. I know it stinks. You know it stinks. We all know it stinks. It's terrible. And all you got to do is watch who the officials They don't even know they're looking at each other. Now, replay has caused them to stink. Because replay sucks. Replay puts doubt in the mind of officials. And again, this isn't any secret. I've talked to officials about it. Whether it's college basketball, college football, NFL. I've talked to officials about this and everybody agrees the same thing. So don't talk. We understand. Hey, man, uh, who are you rating there? Uh, Rating uh, Sally. Uh, Do her right. That's what's happening. Everybody knows that's what's happening when you're talking about evaluating officials. Again, this isn't a secret. Everybody knows. Come on. All right. Streaming. Goodell. No no regular TV for a playoff game. I ain't mad at it because I get all the streaming service, but here's Goodell. Consumers are moving off of pay television services and going into digital streaming services and platforms. Uh, And we as the NFL have to be able to reach our fans there. One of the most positive things about the Peacock game was not just the fact that it outdrew the broadcast audience a year earlier in the same window. So people went there, experienced it. It worked technically in an incredible way, and our, our partners at Peacock and NBC, we give a lot of credit to them for that. But it also reduced our average age of the audience by almost 10 years. So youth audiences are going to those platforms and those apps, and we have to make sure our content is there. Yeah, he's right. No, he's right about that. Uh, he's absolutely right. Uh You have to be on streaming. You have to move it along. And understand this, John Skipper ain't wrong. It's going to be sooner than later. And I don't know what sooner than later means, but it's coming. Pay-per-view Super Bowl is coming. It is. Like maybe 10 years, I don't know. But the NFL is smart. About 10 years ago, I said the NFL was going away unless they fix, unless they fix their CTE problem. People made fun of me. Of course they did. But I think about these things. I study. I learn. I look. Guess what the NFL did? They fixed their CTE problem. Guess what happened? The NFL saved itself. It did. You weren't going to have an NFL if you continued down the line that they were going. And Goodell was smart enough to understand. Now, Goodell back in the day, now he's got some S to him. He's got some stuff to him. He used to date Katarina Vitt. Remember her, the East German heartthrob figure skater? He's got some sack to him now. 
So, you know, long story short, Roger Goodell, the wall. <laughs> Problems. The wall. Owners. Goodell would rather have a good diversity scorecard than a good Super Bowl every day of the week. Because the Super Bowl, he can't control. Diversity, he can't. And until he gets everybody, including himself, out, hey, in the name of diversity, Roger Goodell, why don't you drop out? Why don't you step aside? You know who would be the commissioner? You know who would be the commissioner. Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice, a woman that screws up everything. She was on the board for uh, NCAA basketball and did absolutely nothing. She was in the, she was in the AT&T Pro-Am the other day. Condoleezza Rice is America's diversity hire. Make Condoleezza Rice the commissioner of the NFL, Raj. Give up your four, uh, $45 million salary in the name of diversity, progress, inspire change, be love, be love. We told you this last week. Be careful throwing dirt on Bill Belichick not getting a job. Be careful. Y'all are full of crap. I told you last week there's more to the story. You just don't hire Raheem Morris over Bill Belichick. Stop it. I don't care if Raheem Morris came out like Rob, a combination of Robert Redford in his prime, Denzel Washington in his prime, Barack Obama and George W. Bush all in their prime in an interview. I don't care. You see what I did there? I went black and white so nobody would get mad, right? You got to do that. You know, anytime you are overly critical, you got to add a white guy. Every, anytime you're overly you know, critical of African American, you got to include. You got you to. You got to see what I did there. It's pretty good. But anyway, don't give me this crap that Bill Belichick didn't get a job. I told you the other day, there's always a backstory. There's always more of the story. Apparently... Belichick interviewed, and I also told you that my friend Rick Venturi, who worked with him, said, hey, look, Belichick's a lot. He wants total control, and if he doesn't get it, he ain't taking a job. Now it's come out, ladies and gentlemen, that Belichick turned down the Atlanta Falcons. Belichick interviewed to be head coach of the Falcons twice, proving both Belichick and the Falcons were interested in making a deal happen. But the Falcons hired Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris and Gronkowski thinks it had everything to do with power. He's right. He's absolutely right. Here you go. Here's Gronkowski. I think that would have been the best landing destination. I feel like what happened is that I don't think the Falcons organization wanted to give up that much power and give all the decisions to Coach Belichick. Other than that, I think Belichick would have been a perfect fit. Now, I'm going to get into another quote by Gronk here in a minute. <laughs> but here's the deal. We told you this last week. Look, Belichick isn't going anywhere where he's going to end up 14 and 24 after a few years. And in his mind, and I know this, this is from people to work with, and I'll have Rick Venturi on my 1430 show this afternoon and we'll talk about it. But in his mind, Belichick's mind, I got to have the ability to do everything. Everything. Why would I trust personnel decisions to Slappy Johnny over here with his little PhD from Stanford who looks like Mac Mike McDonald and never played, never coached. I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm saying that's the old school mentality. So you're telling me with my 10 Super Bowl appearances, six championships, that I'm supposed to listen to Fast Eddie and his brother Joey Bag of Donuts over here in the accounting department tell me who I can get and who I can't get. Hey, I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? 
There's not a chance in holy hell he's doing that. Hell, he should. Of course he should. If he had brains in his head, he would. If he understood that he was bad at personnel with the New England Patriots, he would. If he understood that he was a train wreck in terms of drafting, he would. If he understood that Tom Brady covered for his ass for many years, he would. Just like Peyton Manning covered for the ass of the Indianapolis Colts. All these guys that are up for the Hall of Fame of the Colts couldn't play dead, but Peyton put it right there. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Reggie Wayne. Anyway, now we move forward, and here's Gronkowski. I think it happened for a reason. I think Belichick should take a year off from coaching. He put his time in. He's been coaching 50 years plus straight in the NFL. Take a year off. Reinvent himself. Find himself. That's a young person's thing, isn't it? I'm going to go find myself. Really? All right. Go enjoy something other than just football. I think it would be great for him. And then have him come back next year, resurrect, ready to go, put on display, put on display uh, on whatever he lands a head coaching job next year. I ask a simple question because I'm a simple man. I wish I could have somebody else with me because I have a legit question. What does finding yourself mean? What does it mean? Does it mean going out into the woods? Oh, 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 I'm supposed to be a Sherpa. Oh, I found my real inner being. I wish I knew. Maybe I need to do. I used to go to Pilates and I used to go to yoga, yoga Tuesdays and Pilates on Thursdays. And I thought maybe that would help me find myself. The only thing it did was make me sore and horny. That's it. I don't know what to tell you. So if Belichick's going to find himself, maybe he needs, see the guy over his right shoulder there? Maybe he needs a little rub and tug with full release. Man can find himself in an Asian massage parlor. Ask that guy. Ask Robert Kraft. But what is finding yourself? That's the most full of shit thing that there is. I'm going to find myself. Yeah, find this. How about you do this, Belichick? How about you come out and you say, all right, I do want a job, if you do. Here's what I'm willing to concede. Here's non-negotiables. That's it. Willing to concede, I will listen to a general manager. Willing to concede, I will allow others input. Non-negotiables, nobody's messing around with any part of my practice. Nobody's messing around with any part of my locker room. My part of the building, weight room, if it involves football, the preparation of football, nobody messes around unless asking me for permission, period. Like, I don't need the assistant to the assistant, like the guy, the fat kid in a money ball. I don't need him in the locker room. I don't need Costanza going from polyester to cotton all of a sudden. I don't need it. If I'm him, what I need is that. Well, if I'm him, what I need is somebody understanding that, hey, look, you're bad at this. You were given a team. You got it. Once Brady left, man, did you get exposed. So shut up. Get back on the coaching horse and let somebody else buy the damn groceries. Uh, here's a shocker for you. 
Here's a shocker for you. You ready? There was a joint George Kittle, Travis Kelsey mashup. What do you kids call it? One of those guys on Awful Announcing call it. We're going to have a meetup. I want a meetup. We're going to have Kittle. We're going to have Kelsey. We're going to get up in front of both fans. It's going to be marvelous. Yeah, well, Kelsey probably made 50 grand. Kittle probably made 50 grand. So they'll talk to penguins if they had to. Well, they care. But guess what? Guess what? Fans booed. Fans booed because they were 49er fans. Let me show you. Here it is. Take a look. I'll tell you what, man. I, uh, I leaned on my teammates more than I ever have. And uh, it's, it's been absolute. <laughs> Y'all are firing me up. Make me want to play right now, baby. <laughs> Woo! I love the booze more than I love the cheers, baby. Keep them coming, Niners gang. Keep them coming. I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I rally around the guys around me, man. We've, we've had a lot of ups and downs this year, and it's only made us stronger and that much more uh, willing to fight for each other. And I, I'll tell you what, I love this group, and I, I want this one more than I ever wanted one in my life. Yeah, you know, one of the things about NFL fans, and I think you know this, God dang, they travel. Like, they're stupid in their traveling. So I don't know, what was that, yesterday, Tuesday? When's the Super Bowl? Like, 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock out west? And they're there, they're at a thing, and they're booing, and they're loud. Now, I get it, San Francisco, it's a short flight. You get there quick, okay. But son of a biscuit maker, they're already there booing Kelsey. And who can blame them? I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun Super Bowl. And you can make the argument, you can, whoever has the bigger game at the tight end position, and it doesn't have to just be Kittle, and it doesn't have to just be Kelsey, is going to win the game. I'm going to talk to Elshon Jeffrey about this, but we're going to get into all the news with Armando as well. Man, I'm fired up for this Super Bowl, but I hate that it's the Super Bowl because I miss football already. I do. Hey, did you see this? I'm going to lift a cheek to stay, uh, Dartmouth University. The Dartmouth University basketball team. The Dartmouth University basketball team is 6-14 and 14 or 6-24 and 24 or 0 for a lifetime. They averaged last couple years less than 700 fans a game. But they're going to unionize. They want to unionize. They want to be considered employees. Let me tell you what I would do if I were the president of Dartmouth. Wait, I got my phone. Hello. Yeah, uh-huh. So the basketball team went in front of a judge, and now we're supposed to make them employees with full benefits, and now we're supposed to make them have a say in practice. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to cancel basketball at Dartmouth. Would anybody care? Okay. Next trustee meeting, let's put that on the docket. That Okay. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's exactly what I would do. Hey, you little basketballers at Dartmouth, take a hike. Here's the deal. Because Dartmouth has the right to control the work performed by Dartmouth basketball, and the players perform that work in exchange for compensation, I find that the petition for basketball players are employees within the meaning of National Labor Relations. That's National Labor Relations Board Regional Director Laura Sack. Really? It's a basketball team. 
It's a basketball team. You put a uniform on because Dartmouth can control it. Jesus. Just cancel Ivy League basketball. I tell you what, just cancel it. Why, why would anybody want to bother with this? Ivy League is legit, at least I felt like, in their disdain or their place of sports. The Ivy League will tell you, look, great, sports, yay rah, go sports. That's it. There's no real commitment. I mean, let's be honest. Harvard has the endowment the size of that lake out behind my house, but they don't spend it on anything. Their gym is mediocre. There's no NIL money. They're not giving Tommy Amaker, the football coach, the best of the best, and they could. What if you went into every top 100 player in the football world's house, said, look, we're going to get you in the Dartmouth. Now, you got to be an a- a- actual thinking human being, okay? You can't be like some of these blocks of granite that end up in college football. Now we see them in the NFL and they can't speak, okay? I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you got to be at least a certain academic level. What if Dartmouth took their endowment or, or Yale or Harvard took their endowment and said, all right, we're going to pay each one of you guys $5 million to come here. And the fact that they don't tells me that, you know what, they don't care. Now, I know there's rules against doing it that way, but you get my point. It doesn't have to be from an endowment. It can be an organized deal with, well, some of the greatest, richest people alive went to where? These schools. But in lieu of that, you might as well just say, screw it. Look at this. Dartmouth players and team representative Cade Haskins and Romeo Myrtle say, our team is thrilled about the positive ruling from the NLRB regional board in Boston regarding our efforts to unionize. This is a significant step forward for college athletics, and we're excited to see how this decision will impact college sports nationwide. In light of this, we are proud to announce we will form an Ivy League Players Association for basketball players across the league. The association aims to foster unity, advocate for players' rights and well-being, and create a platform called collaborative decision-making. Yeah. Yeah, I want some clown 18-year-old, 23-year-old making decisions for my university. Yeah, we want unity. Student-athletes' rights. You're a freaking basketball player. I got to tell you, I'll be honest with you. If they presented this to me, if they said to me, a double dizzle, this is what we're going to do, and I was a player in Indiana, I'd be like, hey, I tell you guys what, particularly you guys that are my size and playing ahead of me, you go tell Coach Knight. You go tell the university president. You go sit in front. I ain't doing it. I got no interest. Maybe I'm not activist enough, but I understand it was a damn blessing to play basketball at Indiana. It was. It wasn't a labor. It wasn't, I wasn't an employee. I was a freaking basketball player doing what I loved at the place that I love, getting to practice, getting the facility. What was the student rights that I needed? And where in the hell Does any freaking school have to provide students or student-athletes with a warm, safe, nurturing environment? I got two words for you. My ass. Look, give me some books. Give me some classes. Give me three squares. Give me a dorm. Give me an apartment. Give me a house, whatever the hell I'm living in. And let's have a great time in college and not cause any trouble. Why does some fat-ass university lesbian president have to provide me with some type of nurturing, wholesome, protective environment. I'm going to college, baby. I'm going to college. 
I'm going to have a great time. I ain't causing no problems. And get off my ass. I don't need the coach coming around to see how we're doing. How's your apartment? I don't need the faculty rep. I don't need student athletes' rights. You know what I need? Let's have a great time with my teammates. So these two little punks, Kate Haskins and Romeo Murtho, you're going to be out of here in a minute. And you're going to think you left this legacy. You leave shit. You leave nothing. Good. Unionize. And if I'm the Ivy League, I'm like, all right, I'll tell you what, we're going back to club sports. Yeah? Going back to club sports. That's what we're doing. Club sports. See ya. I mean, I don't make money anyway. Nobody goes to the games anyway. Once in a while, Tommy Amaker and Yale, they've won, and last year, I guess, Princeton, they win an NCAA tournament game or two, but who cares? They don't need it for survival. It's not the front door to the university. I'd tell this little Romeo and this little Kate, hey, man, I got you unionized right here. Leave or stay, but we're going club. We're going clubbing. That's what we're going. We're going clubbing, and I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it today. I don't want to hear it tomorrow. I don't want to hear it the next day. That's what we're doing. Union this. I wish I cared. I gave pretty good speech for not really caring. Now I got to admit I did. Union. Hey, Dan, you want to join our union? Hey, I'll tell you this. I would grab my package, look at my guy, and go, you go tell Coach Knight. Good for you. You be an advocate. I'm going to get ready for practice. I love practice. I love playing. I love being in the locker room. I like sitting with Tim Garland in the training room. I like walking into the training room, getting those little uh, cotton swabs, putting them in my ear, and ripping on people and getting ripped on. It's one of my favorite things to do. Average attendance, Dartmouth, 2022 to 2023. Wait for it. 693 people. Average. Attendance. Period. What? What? Union this. Uh, I like this. High school broadcaster was wrongfully accused by Oklahoma's largest newspaper. This is why newspapers, no, this isn't why newspapers suck. Newspapers suck because the people that write for newspapers are absolute horrendous human beings. I mean, there's nothing worse than a guy writing or a gal writing for a newspaper. But anyway, so an Oklahoma newspaper decides that they're going to call a student reporter racist. Oh, really? Oh, no kidding. Really? Why is he racist? The newspaper mistakenly ID'd a man. I'll read it to you. Scott Scapula was, was reward, order, uh, awarded Scapulapla. $5 million in damages, $20 million in punitive damages because the Oklahoman said he was racist. A spokesman, of course it's Gannett, the same newspaper that owns the piece of shit Indy Star. Uh, we're happy for Scott. There is no evidence presented. Wait a second. Hold on here a second. Here's what happened. It was during a Norman Midwest City girls basketball game. On live stream, the announcer... Cursed, used a racial epithet to describe one team as they knelt for the national anthem. The comment was made during a break. They even saluting the flag. Some of them aren't. And then he dropped the bad N-word. 
There isn't really a good N-word except nice, I suppose, but anyway. So the newspaper said it was this guy's scapula. However, it was Matt Rowan. Oh, I, well, no, it wasn't. Matt Rowan was the owner of the streaming service. Oh, he was the person. He apologized and blamed it on blood sugar levels. Uh, Sap Ulepa, allegedly, he said, I was defamed and intentionally inflicted with emotional distress. The jury, because this is what newspapers do, the jury found the newspaper acted with malice, which allowed them punitive damages. I should start doing that to the Indy Star. They're malice. Their writer threatened to slap me, hit me. We're never going to do it. It would be a bad move for him in a lot of different ways. Wanted to hit me in boxing or basketball. I got the receipts. Who cares? He's a little twerp. But that's what newspapers do. They act in malice. It's pretty good to be able to sue and win against a newspaper. Let's be honest. Newspapers got millions of lawyers and people know that they're suing. But newspapers, they're... You don't think they've hired for DEI? You don't think they've gone downhill? You don't think they're a little sloppier than they used to be with the, uh, you know, the journalistic integrity? Huh? 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 Of course they are. Good for this guy. 25 mil. And he didn't say it. How about that? Huh. It is amazing. But you got to understand something. And I've said this forever. And it always comes out in the wash. Worst human beings I know are the two writers, and I don't know many bad human beings, at the Indy Star, Dana and Greg. Now, you guys think they're great? Good for you. Horrible human beings. Awful. Just bad. Anyway, all right, let's continue on. I want to go back to something. I put a poll out earlier today. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. If I were to say to you, hey, Roger Goodell would rather have a great Super Bowl, or get a really good diversity score? Which do you think Goodell would rather care about? There's no question. I put a poll out, a couple hundred vote, diversity score 77, great Super Bowl 23. Great Super Bowl, it don't even matter. The ads are sold, people talking about it, it don't matter. The bad diversity score, though, oh my God, that would make him cry. Or laugh. One of the two. Hey, last night, great night in college basketball. The Indiana Hoosiers, and look, I said it yesterday on my show, I wasn't rooting for him. I started rooting for him because a kid named Trey Galloway decided not to be a pretty boy, little bar hopper guy, and decided to be the basketball player that he should be. And with about 10, 15 minutes to go, Indiana found itself down 18 against Ohio State. And they stormed back. They did. And Galloway and this other kid, slightly used player, because Mike Woodson, the coach, doesn't know his ass from third base, named Anthony Leal, they came back, hit a three, won the game. I feel terrible for my friend Chris Holtman. Terrible. Yeah, he's got a problem. He's the head coach at Ohio State. I, I don't like it. I, I, I hate it. But you know the real story in college basketball continues to be our friend Lamont Paris at South Carolina. I had a nice chat the other day with Chris Beard at Mississippi. He called me the other night to talk about some basketball stuff, and we're sitting there, and I go, hey, man, what's going on in South Carolina? I didn't realize they played. He goes, ah, oh, we play them tomorrow. I go, what's the deal? He goes, Dan, just one of those teams, they're 20-3, and three, just one of those teams that likes each other. 
plays hard and, and keeps it spread and makes a ton of shots. He ain't wrong. Uh, Clemson has two wins ever in the Dean Dome. And it's the last two times they went to the Dean Dome. Good for Brad Brunell. I like Brad Brunell. Clemson, every single time, this is the second week in a row, every time I make a move and say North Carolina is really good, you know what they do? They get that ass beat. They do. Last week it was against Georgia Tech on Wednesday right after I'd put them third, after Purdue and after UConn. And then this week, after I put them third, after Purdue and after UConn, they get beat at home by an unranked Clemson, and they were getting beat all day. Here's the deal on college basketball. I did bet this game, and I did take Clemson. Why? I'll tell you why. Because North Carolina, Armando Baycott is really an immature guy. You can see it. And Armando Baycott and his teammates couldn't handle beating Duke. They beat Duke on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, I forget what points I got, six or eight or something like that, because the bookies knew, the, 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 uh, the gambling sites knew what I knew. I didn't know anything special, but I could tell. They, uh, so I took them. I'll tell you the other game I took, UConn and Butler. Butler getting 15 and a half was a walk in the park. My toes were tapping. In fact, I made so much yesterday on Butler 15 and a half that I actually took money out of my account and put it back in to my checking account. I made a withdrawal. I never make withdrawals. I'm usually right there. I made a big withdrawal. Now, I'm taking my wife out for a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's right. That's right, Nick, Brooke, Dylan, Nick too. Uh-huh. You can't even see the hips moving. Uh-huh. Our toes are tapping. Yeah, they are. But anyway, Clemson goes in, makes 11 threes, and beats him. Cormac Ryan, one for 10. You know, every night, college basketball delivers something pretty good. Every single night, it does. Texas couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. We got to get rid. We got to get rid of Shaka Smart. Chris Beard has a problem. Chris Beard, we got to get rid of Chris Beard. We hire Rodney Terry, the player's choice. Nice guy. I do like Rodney Terry. But let's be honest, they're 15 and 8. They're 4 and 6. And Iowa State, who should never beat Texas in any stinking sport, beat Texas in a stinking sport. My boy, Steve Alford, last night beat number 23, 22, Utah State. I'm telling you, college basketball delivers every stinking night. And I, ladies and gentlemen, am on fire betting it. That mod has done a great job. Hey, Mike Woodson, I'll give you your props. You set up a nice play. You kicked it in the corner. Anthony Leal, you drilled it. I like it. I am with you, Indiana. Winner tie. Armando, Super Bowl, next. Let's go. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Hey. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Live from uh, a hotel room in Vegas, um, he's a very religious man, Armando, or we would make cracks. We won't because we respect him. Now, if it were somebody we didn't respect, we'd make all kind of cracks about a hotel room early morning in Vegas. You know what I'm saying. Hi, Dan. What's next? Eric Bieniemy. what's next? Well, uh... So the audio, the internet here is in and out. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I think you asked me about Eric Bieniemy. And what's next yes. is he's going to continue to collect uh, checks from the Washington Commanders. Look, I, I can tell you that before this season started, Eric Bieniemy was advised not to go to the Washington Commanders. His representation at the time and the representation that he's had for decades, really, told him it's not a good idea to leave the Kansas City Chiefs and the stability of Andy Reid and the stability of coaching Patrick Mahomes for the instability of a situation where you have a coach who has not put together in Ron Rivera a winning record yet and the team is up for sale and you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You have a very unstable quarterback situation. And he said, no, nah, no, nah, it's going to be fine. I'm going to bet on me. And it got to the point where he actually had to uh, go in another direction. There was a mutual parting of ways with his representation, he now has other agents. Guess what? The other guys were right because the Kansas City Chiefs are here in Las Vegas and Eric Bieniemy is unemployed. And while he's still going to collect money, don't worry about him in the, you know, he's still going to get his checks for a million plus dollars a year, even though he may not be working, uh, He's not at the Super Bowl, and he's suddenly fallen out of the big head coaching carousel favor where the Washington Commanders were the only team that interviewed him, and that really was because he was already on staff. You know, people always talk about this. They always, we always praise people for betting on themselves, and a lot of times it works and we're glad. But when you're betting on yourself, you're also betting on others around you, like Ron Rivera, an unstable ownership, a team with no quarterback. That's a bad bet. 
That's swimming upstream, Armando. I can see where his representation said, don't do this. Absolutely. And they were right. And I guess Eric Bieniemy. I don't know what led him to want out so bad from Kansas City. I, I realized that one of the one of the problems that was identified, and there was a couple. One of the problems that was identified uh, in him not being able to present a a resume that was more complete to ownership when he interviewed for all those head coaching jobs was that, hey, um, you know, Andy Reid is really uh, the offensive mind of that team. It's not you. You're running his offense. Uh, you're calling the plays, but that's only sometimes. And sometimes Andy calls the plays. And sometimes Andy takes over. So we're not, we're not totally sold on you're doing a great job in Kansas City, but we're not totally sold on the completeness of that job. So obviously he decided, well, I need to go somewhere where basically I'm being made the head coach of the offense. And he was in Washington. He had full reign of the offense, but he had full reign on an offense, of an offense uh, of a team that won like four games. And so that's not going to do it either. Hey, I want to have full reign of the offense that has Dan Marino as the quarterback. I don't want full reign of the offense that has Jake Howell or Sam Howell or Thurston Howell the third. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The Thurston Howell the third offense uh, where Lovey and Gilligan come into play. That's, that's, that's a dangerous group right there. Yeah, go deep. Go deep. I'll throw it to you, you know. Uh, hey, Armando, all right, let's go through since we're talking quarterbacks. I got two questions for you. One, Canales and Bryce Young. That's going to, you know, his job depends on Bryce Young. And the other, it comes down to, do you want Caleb Williams running your offense or do you want Justin Fields running your offense? That's what it seems like to me. Right. So in Carolina, you gotta you gotta figure that the Carolina Panthers are looking at Dave Canales, who is only a one-year offensive coordinator. But in that one year, he made or helped to make Baker Mayfield, you know, a, a not just a, a very good quarterback, but a playoff successful quarterback. And that wasn't something that had happened very often in his career arc. So, so you've got that. And previous to that, he was the quarterback coach in Seattle where he helped Geno Smith, a career backup, to look like a very viable starting quarterback. He had thrown 30 touchdown passes two years ago. And so that kind of background made them look at Canales, made them look at their 5'10 quarterback who needs help in Bryce Young and made them say, well, this is good. I would tell you that the Panthers initially kind of were looking at Ben Johnson in Detroit, but Ben Johnson in Detroit was looking at maybe uh, other, other issues, including being in the playoffs and wanting a lot more money.
The money, it seems like the money is always something that has followed that Johnson guy. That Johnson guy either has priced himself out or understands his market value for the future, Armando. I, I don't know which way to think about it with this Johnson cat. You know, I have a hard time telling people what to do about their finances. Um, I got my own finances to think about. And so he obviously has has done the, you know, exercise and decided I haven't been a head coach. I'm going to get an opportunity. The Detroit Lions are going to be good again. I'm going to be in the hiring cycle again next year. And unless the opportunity is 100% this year, I don't need to jump. I don't need to go there because you might only get one chance. You really might only get one opportunity to make a, a great impression. And uh, it has to be the right surroundings, the right situation, right ownership, right quarterback, right general manager. Those things have to fit to find success. And Carolina has a, I would say, a history of finding the right guy and then firing the right guy not very long after that. And so you have a first-year head coach, uh, excuse me, a first-year general manager in Dan Morgan and an unproven quarterback in Bryce Young and an owner with an itchy trigger finger. Yeah, you need to ask for probably a lot of money to indemnify yourself and guard yourself against the idea that next year they might be looking for a head coach again like they were last year. You know, it's one of the reasons. I know Stephen A. Smith lost his mind. It's racial that Cliff Kingsbury got the offensive coordinator job, not the enemy, all that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, if I'm a head coach, particularly Dan Quinn, this is it for Dan Quinn. He got no more shots. He, he, this, I'm hiring who the hell I think is the best to fit with me because this is his career. And it's the same thing with Canales or anybody else. You make the point. You know, you, don't get, you normally get one. Sometimes if you're successful and Quinn went to the Super Bowl, you might get two, but two shots at it. You better hire who the hell you're comfortable with. The NFL is supposed to be a meritocracy. It's not supposed to be... You hire someone because, A, they were there, or B, they're black or brown or, you know, red with pink polka dots. It's not about that. It should never be about that. People do what they do to win, and they do it thinking that's what's best for me, that's what's best for my team, that's what's best for our situation. So the whole idea of, you should hire this guy or that guy because of his race, or you should hire this guy or that guy because he was there or he's a name. That's just punditry for the sake of punditry at low hanging fruit levels. That's not exactly how the world works. I don't believe that, uh, you know, for example, take Stephen A who I like a lot as a person. Um, if someone came to him from another network and offered him double what ESPN is offering him, I wonder if he would sit back and go, 
you know, I shouldn't take this job because the person who's there is already there and they deserve a shot ahead of me. Or would he be thinking, I'm better than that guy. I deserve it. They're coming to me because I have something that is a sellable good and that is my talent. And so why not me? I think that's what he's going to be thinking, not let me back away from that because the guy is already there. He deserves his shot. Who wins a game, Armando? So up until yesterday, I was <laughs> I, I was on the 49ers, right? Because I'm a firm yeah. believer that team beats individual. I'm a firm believer that a lot of stars beats one or two superstars. And the 49ers have more talent, I believe, than the Kansas City Chiefs. And the 49ers uh, are a more complete team. And then I listened to Tony Romo last night. I, I sat and, and listened to him at, at his uh, press conference. And he's talking about how Brock Purdy is going to be nervous. And, it's, and the Patrick Mahomes effect is going to be in effect because Brock Purdy is going to realize if I don't score on, on a given drive, I'm helping to lose the game. And that's a pressure that a quarterback feels when he's playing a productive and prolific quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. And then he also mentioned how Patrick Mahomes is, you know, the standard, that's the nickname. And everybody is playing up to Patrick Mahomes or trying to. And Patrick Mahomes is the best of the best right now. And he's chasing much more than just the Super Bowl. He He's chasing this Super Bowl, yes. But he's also chasing a legacy and Tom Brady. It's a greater climb for him. And he's very motivated. And you know what happens when Patrick Mahomes is motivated. And I hear all that. And how am I going to pick against Patrick Mahomes now? I, and how am I going to pick against Andy Reid now? Um, I can't. So I guess if you want to lose money, go with my pick, the Kansas City Chiefs. No. No. Here, I, let me break it down for you. When Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and the Kansas City Chiefs are getting points, I bet on them. I ain't betting against Patrick Mahomes uh, when he's getting points. That's like... That's like sitting around waiting to die because you know eventually he's going to do something and you're like, ah, crap. Hey, Armando, have a great time in Vegas, man. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for getting up with us. Thank you, Dan. I love talking to Armando. Armando brings it, man. He don't BS around. But I'm telling you right now, I, my bet's not changing. And any evaluation of this game in terms of who's going to win always starts and ends with if, if Patrick Mahomes is getting points, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. Hey, Super Bowl champ with Philadelphia, Elshon Jeffries next. Looking forward to it. Bobby Barack later. All right. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're a Butler fan, you know that your team is pretty damn good. If you're an Ohio State fan, you want to fire everybody. I mean, it's just the way the world works, right? If you're a Clemson fan, you're on cloud nine. If you're a North Carolina fan, you're wondering about the inconsistency of your team. You're like, holy hell, what is my team doing? If you're a Purdue fan, you're getting ready for a big weekend. You got the week off and you don't know what to do because you don't play till Saturday. If you're an Indiana fan, again, you're going like, okay, we beat Ohio State, now we got Purdue, we got a chance to salvage our There's a lot going on is my point. Rick Pitino got back into coaching. Rick Pitino is very smart. Here's what Rick Pitino had to say about problems relative to college basketball. We all want solutions to preserve our great game. Today, I need to suggest one, Rick Pitino says. For basketball, have the Power Five and Big East Conference commissioners get together, create a salary cap between one and a half and two million. All contracts, all other conferences established. Mac or the Mac with two A's or the Atlantic 10 or whoever is what he's saying, okay? I would never exclude anyone from the NCAA tournament. Obviously, football is a different sport entirely. That's right. They got their own thing because the Big Ten and the SEC are now starting to talk about advisory committees. You know, it, the greatest thing in the world is having an unbelievable wife. I wish I could shift to my beautiful wife dropping me a cup of coffee right here. It's unbelievable, but I can't. Thank you, lovely Lee Ross. Dockage. Don't forget the dockage part of it. It's nice to be married to the love of your life. It really is. And I'm very vocal about it. I was never vocal about this before, but I don't Maybe the Percocets? Eh, I don't know. But I ain't mad as she picks up some nasty towel that I left around from under my ass when I was sitting recovering, but I digress. I would never exclude anyone. Football is a different sport entirely, it is. And some of their talent makes more than NFL players. More solutions to come in the coming days. This is where... Everybody under contract, stop with all the bullshit of, hey, look, here's what we're going to do with this guy. We're going to act like it's NIL, but we're going to give him a three-year deal to come here and sell cars. I saw where the quarterback of Georgia just bought a $237,000 Lamborghini. How about that? I ain't mad about it. I'm jelly because I would like to have been in college and been able to buy a $100, oh, I don't know, 
Schwinn Stingray and ridden it around campus, much less $237,000. The first question after Patino's tweet. A salary cap seems low. Let, let the market decide like your contract. Look, that's what they're doing now. And a lot of people inside the sport say, hey, this isn't sustainable. Or they're wrong. How does anybody really know what is sustainable? Look, if you're going to say to me, what do you think is going to happen to college basketball in you? I'm going to say to you, they're going to have the highest ratings they've had in a long ass time. I'm going to say to you, hey, look, don't even worry about it. Because it is going to go through the roof. I will say to you, there'll be more money wagered. There'll be more streaming on CBS's streaming site or the March Madness streaming site than Gambling has made all of this more interesting. Yeah, it's fun to watch Marist beat Duke, but it's more fun when you got some candy on the game. It's more fun when Ohio State's playing, you name a team of uh, Ohio State playing UCLA. It's great. It's fun to watch. It's more fun if I got the over or I got the under or I got the plus, the minus, whatever. We all know this. Why do you think the NFL has taken off? There's a lot of reasons. It. A salary cap, I can see it. Uh, contracts, gonna happen. Unionizing, possible. But stop with the hey, just stop with this. Every time I talk finances, people think they're gonna get over Well, you know, players gotta pay taxes. Yes, players gotta pay taxes. Period. And don't at me about it. So anyway, that, it just drives me nuts. People are like, well, they got to pay taxes. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course they got to pay taxes. What do you think they got to do? You get paid, you pay tax. You make money, you pay tax. You go to the bathroom, you pay tax. You buy a house, you pay the house off, you pay tax. You know what you should do one day? I should do this one day. At the grocery store was tax. The convenience store. The gas that you pumped. You just spent 38 bucks on a fill-up. How much of that was tax money? How much of that? What was my actual cost of the gas? Buck 50. I paid three. That's a buck 50 a gallon times 10 gallon. I got 15 bucks in tax. It'd be amazing. It sucks. It makes me crazy how much we pay in tax. Hell, pay off your damn house. I like a love story. You like a love story. We all like a love story. So does Roger Goodell in his press conference yesterday. He said very simply, they seem very happy. Let's go. Let's hear from Roger Goodell about the couple in love. Having the Taylor Swift effect is also a positive. Listen, they're both Travis and Taylor are wonderful young people. They seem very happy. She knows great entertainment. And I think that's why she loves NFL football. But I think it's great to have, um, have her a part of it. Uh, obviously, it, it creates a buzz. It creates uh, a, another group of young fans, particularly young women, that um, are interested in seeing why is she going to this game? Why is she interested in this game? Besides Travis, she is a football fan. And I think that's great for us. 
I think it's absolutely great for Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, the NFL, the bottom line, Taylor Swift's career, Kelsey's career, whether he stays or not. I think it's great. No, I don't think it's good. I think it's great. And it's none of our damn business, actually. Like, people say, well, I'm tired of seeing her. Well, she comes at the game. She goes to a suite. She sits there, cheers for her husband or boyfriend or whatever the hell he is, like 99.999% of other people do. And yet people are mad at her because she's overexposed. It's the dumbest thing in the world I've ever heard. It's not like she shows up and she walks on the field wearing nothing but a freaking mink coat and waves to everybody. It's not like she makes a spectacle. She shows up underneath. Maybe her people probably, well, I know this. This is what happens, I know, in basketball. When the team shows up, the SID tells us, the media, the the network that's doing the game, hey, we're going to be there. The bus is going to pull in right around 6.05. So the camera guy's down there. I'm sure her media people tell CBS or Fox or whomever, NBC, whoever's doing the game, hey, look, we'll be there at such and such a time. I think it is. I think it is absolutely perfect right now that LeBron James is going to stay and he's going to wait until his son Bronny makes the favor to LeBron James, period. That's what it's going to be, period. Now, he that ain't good. I mean, the kid, I would do the same thing if I was LeBron James. I would do the same thing. I would say, hey, look, here's the deal. I'm hanging around until he makes it. If he makes it, I want to play with him, Ken. And that would be very, very cool for me as a dad. No. That would be very, very cool. Now, a lot of people are going to rip on LeBron James, Bronny James. Hey, look, that's good. Rip on them all you'd like. Don't worry about it. Let them live their lives. But Austin Rivers, son of Doc Rivers, who played for his dad. At this point in his career, just because Bronny's success isn't at a top-tier level, right. him getting drafted and playing with his dad, it just I don't want that negativity to come his way because he doesn't deserve it. Um, He's not a, a, a top 10 pick. He's not a lottery pick. He's, he's none of those things. I was all those things. And then still, when I mm. went to go play for the Clippers, people were like, oh, you're, you're only in the league because you're not. After me being the number one player in the, in, the, in the United States two years prior. Right. This is a whole different situation. And at a different level, because, yeah, Doc's great. LeBron James is the most popular basketball player to ever play other than who? Maybe Michael Jordan? Right. This is, it just would be a lot, man. Right. You know what I mean? And I just... I, I hope for the kid that he's able to not only play in the NBA, but play somewhere where he can kind of niche out his own identity. I agree with two things there. I agree that it would be bad. And I agree that that woman who was saying, right, right, should just shut the living hell up. It ain't for you to say, right? You don't know. You never played. You were never in this situation. So shut up. But here's the deal. You guys know this. To whom is given much, much is expected. And in this world, to whom that is given much, much will be criticized. You know this. I know this. By the way, we scrapped Elshon Jeffrey. If you can't make it here on time, screw it. You're out. Gone. I don't care who you are. Got to respect the show. You do, Gritty. You got to respect the show, El Presidente. And if you don't respect the show, 
I don't want you on my show. It's like Mike Woodson was eating on our radio show. He got banned. You got to respect the show. It ain't lunchtime with Danny. It's Get Smarter with Danny. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got one more for you. You ready? Friend of the show, whenever he speaks, Tommy Tuberville is my boy. Tommy Tuberville says the new rules around the NIL will scare, we've already seen it, college coaches away from the game and force them into an early retirement. That's part of it. Knowing that his best players are highly incentivized to enter the transfer portal, which they are allowed to do at least once for no reason whatsoever. It is as if every player in the pros became a free agent every single year. Frankly, this sends the wrong message. Telling our young people to abandon their teams or avoid committing to anything bigger than themselves. This is from an article uh, Clay wrote. Clay is unbelievable with this kind of stuff, uh, and so are all of our writers. Look, you got to understand something. If you're in college right now, and all of a sudden, you got all, I don't want to do that. Hell, get me to the NFL. You know what I got to do in the NFL? Coach, me, 6 o'clock, I might be home having dinner on a Thursday night. You know what I got to do in college? Worry every day about slap Dick Johnny having a good game and transferring. That's why last night, at least for Indiana folk, it was so refreshing to have this kid, Leo, who plays for Indiana, and he plays for the front, not the back of the shirt, Play really well. Indiana wins. Cared about Indiana. That I can get down with. I can get down with that. D-O-W-N. Down. Speaking of getting get down with me. It's what the hell Wednesday. Give me the stinger. What the hell Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, look, don't do it on a crowded street. You ever see the movie Grease? You know, Grease, but they did it like out in the salt flats or they did it way out in the in the middle of nowhere where you weren't going to damage others' property. Here's you wrecked the neighbor's three cars. Now you got a criminal activity and you got to deal with that. Pick a cornfield, get a 20 pack of Schlitz. Go get some strows and go drag race. But don't go drag racing down the middle of a busy street, you nincon poops. I mean, what are we doing here? I was in one drag race in my life. It was the middle of a cornfield. What the hell? We went fast. I won because, well, I had a better car. I didn't know what I was doing. This giraffe tries to steal a kid. Uh, looking at the kid, you should steal the mom. Steal the mom instead of the kid. Let's check this out. I got to tell you, look at that mom. I'll steal her. Steal her, take her back to your lair. Hey, how about if that kid got over the fence? How about if the little kid, look at him, he's up in the air. Good. I mean, what is the dad doing? The dad's like reaching the mom. Boy, you ever want to see a video? You want to see it. There it is. Let's show that again. Check out the mom, not the boot. Uh, check out the mom and the dad. Look at the dad. 
The mom is moving. The dad's shoulders are going backwards instead of running and grabbing. Look at the mom. She's all in. Look at that. Three steps. Look, one, two, three, four. Ah, she's shuffling. She's in there. The dad is like, oh, well, no, no, man. Jesus. Come on, pops. You're giving us a bad name. All right? I like turtles. We like animals. We're all into animals. Here's the next. Look at the mom. The mom is getting it done. Check this out. How about if you look at these two? Look at these two. Oh. Oh. See this thing again. Look at these two. Man. They're just throwing haymakers. This is Ali Frazier 1. Man, oh man. How cool would that be? Look, you're just on one of them little safari things. You think you're going to see something fun. You got your camera out. And next thing you know, boom. I don't know whether these lions or tigers or bears. Oh my. But they're just throwing hands. Now look. That, I, I, that would be cool. I don't want them turning my way and coming at me, but that, ladies and gentlemen, would be incredibly cool to see. Like, I have no desire to go on the big hunt. A friend of mine did, and he said it was one of the greatest times of his life. But I got to tell you, seeing that would be cool. All right. Sometimes you just got to get down from the roof. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my. That was quick. Look at that. He's just kind of hanging on, right? Oh, my. That was quick. That makes total sense to me. I would never do that, but I'm just telling you that of all these things that we see, that is one thing that I could do because I would understand that. I would never do it. You could never get me to do that, but he's holding on just enough. He's going slow. Now, he's probably ripped up a little bit. Maybe he's got gloves. I don't know. But you see that right front foot? It's just it's just slowing it down. I personally would take the elevator. Don't know about you. Maybe the stairs. But look, we're all not alike. Some people want to get there a little quicker. And he's like, or she, I don't know whether it's a boy or girl. I don't know. Sexist. Sexist saying he... You immediately thought he didn't you. I can't believe that's in your mind. Oh, shut the living hell up. That's pretty good. You know, I like my lithby voice. I think it's fun. I do. All right. I don't know what you guys tingly in my legs when I see this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Let's show it. There it is. That is the dumbest. This is right here. The dumbest. Awesome. Yay, Ra. You're an idiot. Period. Look at this. I get, I get like weirded out. Now, if he jumps and survives, that'd be something, but there it is. Is there any... That's pretty good. I have a nephew, Nick. He just broke records out in uh, Yosemite Park for climbing these two things faster than anybody. He's one of those guys that were like, hey, Nick. He's up on the second floor. He would do that, I think. But I don't have that gene. I don't have the gene for cilantro. 
It's a gene, seriously. Some of us that don't like cilantro, it's a gene. And I don't have the gene for heights. There's nothing about this that says to me, hey, Dan, maybe some of you would. And if you do, you know what? I'm all in on it. A uh, couple things with the Super Bowl. Joe Biden has opted not to do an interview. What? Why wouldn't you? It's only a couple minutes. Largest audience you'll ever have. Donald Trump said, I'll do it. You know what, CBS? Political. Why? You know, like, let me ask you a question. If Barack Obama said, hey, I'll do it, how fast do you think those networks would be towards going, oh, man, we got to get you in here? I never understood that. I never understood that being too political. But I'm also the guy that doesn't understand why Vogue magazine or I know why, because, well, then people would threaten to boycott, pull out ads. That's how shallow and stupid we are. The hottest first lady in the history of first ladies worldwide. You can't show me another first lady that's hotter than her. And she's not on the magazine or nothing. And Big Mike is. Big Mike, look at her arms. Jill Biden. I got gas. Free Melania Trump. Let Trump do this Super Bowl commercial. Bobby Barack challenged or answered a challenge by Dan Lebetard. They wanted Lebetard called Bobby all kind of mean names. Bobby and Lebetard agreed to an interview, a sit down, a powwow, like men, real men. Lebetard's not a real man. He's got childbearing hips and a fat ass. So guess what he did? He backed the hell out. I can't wait to talk to America's conscious Bobby Barack next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, I, I call him America's conscience. I can also call him America's best writer. I can also call him America's smartest person. Bobby Barack, writer, outkick, and so much more than that. You see him on all kind of different shows all across the Fox network. But 
Bobby is a controversial figure because he calls out bullshit. Let's just be honest. And he's not afraid. He does it with facts. Uh, Levitard didn't like it. Levitard came at you. Walk me through this. You set up a little meeting with Levitard and Levitard agreed. Then he backed out. What's going on here? Well, first of all, I appreciate you having me, Dan. Always good to see you. Uh, yeah. So last week, Levitard's PR firm and team reached out to me asking me if I wanted to interview him this week for an interview. I agreed. We set it all up. We're all ready to go. And and they come to me and say, sorry, there's a quote-unquote schedule miscommunication. Dan Lepetard can't do it. He backed out last minute when he found out that he was going to talk to me or somebody from OutKit or who knows exactly what led to it. But there's some interesting history here. He has been ducking comments from me for over two years. And why is that important? Because he keeps mentioning me on his podcast and YouTube show, he and his minions have been calling me out for years saying that I'm racist, sexist, a bigot, that I don't understand the struggle that women have in sports media, that I wear the KKK hood. So I've just been trying to ask him for examples, see if he can provide any. And I'd love to discuss it on air. So if he uh, changes his mind, the interview offer still stands on my part. What, what, so all they said was, yeah, we reach out, we'll do an interview. We've called you bad names. You've been on our ass. We want to straighten it out. Now, when there's a scheduling miscommunication, okay, let's reschedule, right? Yeah, no, nope. exactly, right? Um, we could do it a different day. We could do it next week. Schedule miscommunication means, hey, Dan has something booked. That's not what this was. This was a cancellation. So to take your viewers back a little bit. Lepitard has never addressed my criticism of him. He name calls, which is totally fine. But I just want him to address what I've said about him is he's a hypocrite. Um, most notably, he belittled and called out the UFC for not firing Dana White for slapping his wife. He said that hard knock should be ashamed for giving Tyreek Hill a platform because of his alleged domestic violence past. But what does Dan Lepitard do? He hires and platforms Howard Bryant, who was arrested for beating and choking his wife. So how exactly does that make sense? Uh, most recently, he said that ESPN should not allow Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee to inject political opinions in sports commentary. But two months ago, he defended Sarah Spain for wanting to inject her political opinions. So it doesn't really add up to me what he's spewing, and I'd like to ask him about it. Well, this is the essence of what OutKick is. That's why you are, I say, you know, Clay is the Gazda, but you are the soul because you call it out. It's the essence of what OutKick is. We got these people here that are in mainstream media that are so full of shit and they're all in cahoots and nobody will call them out except for you, us. So you're doing God's work, in my opinion. What? In well, last week, you we wrote about Bomani Jones, who did a podcast interview with Ethan Strauss, whom I like. But Bomani came after me and OutKick saying that 
were bad faith actors trying to make him out as a failure to ruin his reputation. If anybody reads my coverage of Bomani Jones, most of it cites public data, which is nobody watches his shows. But again, he didn't address what I actually wrote about him. He goes right to, he's a bad faith actor. The white folks are conspiring against me. So I, I tried to be fair with all these people and just ask them, hey, can you address what you don't like about me? But they don't actually do it. So there's really no middle ground to be had because they don't want to talk about data or fact. They want to use name calling and to get other people on their side. So it's a little disappointing because Lepitard, Bomani, clearly are infuriated with my coverage, have an open invite to come on out, kick any time and hash it out. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, you got a problem? Walk like a damn man. Why is Joe Biden hiding? Why is Joe Biden not doing a Super Bowl ad? And Trump, Bobby said, hey, pick me, man, I'm in. Yeah, so back-to-back years, Biden's backed out of the traditional pre-Super Bowl presidential interview. Last year with Fox, this year with CBS. He claims, in a, or his team does, when talking to CNN, that they're trying to give fans a break from politics, that they don't want to mix politics with sports. But that's not really true. Joe Biden's team has pretty much hit him from all public interviews other than some sit-downs with George Stephanopoulos. Um, and I understand why. Just yesterday, he forgot the name of Hamas, the terrorist group that's committing savagery in Israel. So this has nothing to do with fans. This is a strategy from the Biden team of not wanting to put him in front of tens of millions of people on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I every day look for the Biden gaffe. The other day he was talking about meeting with a German chancellor that died in 96. You can't make this stuff up, Bobby. It's too good. I want him, I don't want him to stay president. He needs to be gone. But the content is unbelievable with Biden. It is. Yeah, it's um, you know, there's that report from Newsbusters how Saturday Night Live never includes him in their skits. But they don't really need to, right? Because at this point, he is a pretty much a parody of what his detractors say about him. Um, he forgets names. He stumbles when he walks. Uh, he, he just seems completely in cognitive decline. And look, I think his team would argue he was not front and center during the 2020 election. Um, and they would say it worked. So we'll try to hide him again. But you look at the polling. I don't know if that will work. Um, I found this interesting. A lot of battleground states consider immigration a far bigger problem than even the economy right now. And I think they want to hear what Biden plans to do about that if he were to be reelected. And he doesn't really have a comment on that. I don't think that's going to help him at all come November. You know, I mean, the cat's out of the bag there. I mean, and Trump said the other day, he said, or I think he said it on that true social Look, if the president wants to close the border, you simply send, hey, close the border. You know, I, and I, I feel that's how most Americans feel, Bobby, that if you want this closed, close it. It's your deal. Close it. Simple. Well, in, and to consider how important immigration is, um, this a little bit got swept under the rug. So a lot was made about CNN and, and uh, NBC censoring Trump's Iowa caucus speech a few weeks ago. 
but they didn't just censor. They censored the part about what he planned to do to prevent illegal immigration. And why is that so important? Because that was the number one topic of interest from Iowa caucus goers. So when you have CNN's Jake Tapper saying, well, we can't show that because Trump's committing anti-immigration rhetoric, which is not true. But what he's really doing is he's not allowing viewers to hear Trump's speech on that, which includes likely a winning message on immigration. So the censorship from the cable networks is more so about Trump's message on immigration because they know that's the one area where he can probably convert some middle-of-the-road voters to his side. Well, censorship is all the rage. We saw it on our show, even with YouTube. I mean, YouTube yeah. wouldn't put it out. They would always. Uh, and you wrote the article basically calling out, including Zuckerberg saying that, well, Meta, I guess is what it's called, actually hid stuff before or during the election cycle. Yeah, on behalf of the FBI. We all remember when Facebook and Which Instagram. Which is unbelievable called- to me. Yeah. So the article you reference um, talks about the censorship industrial complex. I was mostly calling out Republicans because they all know that these government agencies influence social media services to manipulate content in 2020 to assist Joe Biden. There is a House Judiciary filing to prove it. Zuckerberg has admitted it. Twitter files last year revealed it. Republicans know this. But what have they done to combat it this time around? Why should we feel that the same powers that be that helped rig the election for Biden online last time won't do it again? Because Republicans have not successfully done anything to stop it. And given all the measures that they've taken to try to take Trump off the ballot, does anybody really expect that Facebook, YouTube, Google, TikTok, Instagram are not going to use the same practices again to manipulate the information to which voters have access, I think you'd be a fool to think they wouldn't. Bobby, am I off base with this? I see polls and I don't care about polls. I, here's what I see. I see somehow 80 some million votes got counted. I think the only thing that's important here is if Republicans can figure out how to either participate in or stop election fraud, and that includes censorship, but it also includes what's going on on election day before uh, balloting, how we're balloting, how we're taking IDs. I think that's the only thing that matters in this election is how can you unrig it? And I think your point is well taken. Yeah, I'm with you. And I mentioned in the piece, there are a lot of conservative influencers and pundits who are overly confident that Donald Trump is going to win the general election. And they cite polling and betting odds, which I've referenced several times. But that's assuming that everything is going to go fair and that there's not going to be influence from Facebook that reaches 250 million people, that ballot harvesting and mail-in voting is not going to be a huge factor this time around. So I'm with you. We're just assuming, again, that the election is going to give both candidates an equal opportunity. And I'm not so sure that's going to happen. And that should derail any confidence that people say, well, Trump is the prohibitive favorite. I don't think that's true, given the systems in place. 
I agree. I mean, that's that's the thing that matters. And, and you yeah. know, I think most people, wouldn't you agree, in 2020 went to bed thinking Trump had won. Next thing you know, polling places are shut down. Ballots are harvested in. I mean, that's the deal. That's the entire election here. Whether, you know, we all know Biden is insane and the media is not doing anything about it. We all know that Trump isn't going to get a fair shake. Hell, he might be in jail. I don't know. But that's the total deal on this. And I can't believe that people can't see that. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and you go online and it happened after New Hampshire and Iowa. I saw so many people in Trump's camp say this is proof that he's going to win the election. Well, not really, because nothing has been done to undo the systems in place that helped Biden last time. Um you already see the media censoring Trump's speech, people being kicked off YouTube and Facebook for posting inconvenient truths about Biden's handling of immigration and COVID. This is not exactly two people starting at the same starting point and taking off at the race. So that has to be factored in in our confidence of who's going to win the election. Bobby, do you think it right now, and, I, and this is going to change. I mean, look, we know it's going to change. Do you think right now, if the election was today, Biden would win, Biden would lose? What do you think? I think with everything we just talked about, he would be the favorite to win. But I caution, look, the polling for him is so bad that I don't rule out them replacing him at the convention. Clay has mentioned several times the idea of Michelle Obama, and the betting odds seem to agree. People would be surprised to hear this. Michelle Obama, who is not a candidate right now, has the third best odds to win the election ahead of Nikki Haley, who's fourth. So if you were to ask me today, given what I believe is going to take place in the media and on social media, yeah, I would say Biden would be my bet. But he is very fragile, and I think Democrats know that. So I don't rule out them replacing him at all because they've done everything to try to prevent Trump from returning to the White House. They raided his home. They indicted him. They arrested him. They impeached him. They're trying to take him off primary ballots. So if you don't think that they will do a bait and switch and replace Biden if need be, you're crazy. It is a religion to them to prevent Donald Trump from returning to the White House. It's almost a damn sickness. Hey, before I let you go, a lot of, yeah. lot of, I don't know, a lot of craziness about Tucker Carlson interviewing Putin. You know, people have interviewed Putin forever. Why, okay, Carlson does it. We're mad about it. Give me your stance. Is it good thing, bad thing, uh, interviewing Putin? I, I think it's a good thing. What do we care? Yeah, look, I think interviewing any world leader is inherently a good thing, right? That's what we need more yes. people asking questions. Now, look, I don't know what his questions to Putin were. I don't know if the interview was even conducted yet. It sounded like yesterday it hasn't been. So I don't know if he asked tough questions or what his questions were. But if he actually gave a real interview and held Putin accountable and asked him to defend certain things, that's a great thing, whether it be Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow or somebody from the New York Post. What we need is more transparency. So if he brought that out of Vladimir Putin, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's like, you know, even when Trump was in pre- was president, if he talked to Putin, well, he's in bed. 
World leaders, no. we need more communication between world leaders, do we not? Yeah, right. So the worst thing you can do is not expose world leaders or not hold them accountable and just ignore them, which is what a lot of networks have done with Putin. They haven't tried to, like, I know CNN is outraged over this. They don't try to interview Putin. Well, why not? Um, why not ask him the questions that you've criticized him for? So, look, I think Putin, she, Kim Jong-un could ever do an interview with American media. I think that'd be great for everybody involved. I do, too. I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. Hey, Bobby, thanks, man. I appreciate you as always. Keep doing your thing, buddy. Of course. Talk soon. That's Bobby Barat. He's America's conscious. I mean, if you want to read somebody that's honest, unafraid, that has balls, that we call it sack, it's Bobby. And the reason I call him America's conscious is I really feel like he exemplifies what we do here or what was set up to do here at OutKick. I don't pretend to, you know, I mean, these guys, Clay and, and Aaron and Gary and Bobby and those guys at Wright are the heartbeat of our place. I'm just an ad on a tentacle. But Man, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to call out white, uh, woke bullshit. I said white, Freudian slip. Woke bullshit. And that's exactly what happens. And don't think for a second, don't think for one stinking second that when election night comes, that bad boy is going to be over. I said this a long time ago, and people made fun of me, and then people came back to it. How do you trust the results? Like, who do we listen to for the results? All of a sudden, NBC, ABC, Fox, CBS, who all are slanted. They come up and tell us Biden's won. And you believe that. We like, we're conditioned to just believe it. And it's insane to me. Well, what do you think they're going to do? Rig the election? I think every election is rigged. And if you're just joining us or if you're just, you know, getting new to our show, I've said this forever. When I was a kid, every election in Northwest Indiana was rigged. My dad's good friend running for city council came to our house, knocked on our door at 1620 West 54th Avenue, Gary, Indiana, and wanted to register the empty lot next to our house. I say again, empty lot. My dad's like, we don't own it. The Melhams over there own it. He went over to the Melhams. He was trying to get votes. I don't know how you do it. There were always articles in the Chicago Sun-Times, the Gary Post-Tribune, or the Chicago Tribune that showed empty lots or dilapidated buildings and said, yeah, four votes came from this house that nobody's occupied for 10 years. It's legendary. So you guys, where did you all grow up? Did you grow up like Tony Romo? Like, did you see this thing with Tony Romo? Well, when I grew up, we never talked about the point spread. It's not pure to talk about gambling. Are you insane? Where I grew up, my dad brought a parlay card home on Friday, and I would figure it out, and he'd take it back to the bar on Saturday. Here, here's my picks. I mean, what are we doing? A lot of you don't even know what a parlay card is. I knew what a parlay card is when I was 10 years old. I knew what Vig was. I knew what Juice was. Well, I didn't know because of the sanctity and the pureness of football. Shut up. Man. Well, Doc, it's your election denier. Yes, always have been. I saw Richard Gordon Hatcher, the first African-American mayor of a major city, Gary, Indiana. 
I read the articles about how somehow, some way, on like a $30,000 salary, he owned a lake house in Michigan. Stop it. And I ain't even mad about it. It's just the way the world works. Jeez. I can't believe that you think elections are rigged. I can't believe you don't. Period. Honest to God. Huh. All right. All right. All right. All right. Enough. Hey, I do think there is a great article. There is a great article on the racial resentment. Uh, Bobby wrote about this, that Caitlin Clark is going to face. She is 66 points away, Caitlin, the stud at Iowa, from becoming the NCAA all-time leading scorer. And Cheryl Swoops, who's one big nasty sister, she sought to undermine she sought to undermine Caitlin Clark with a series of lies. She claimed we ought to take rec- her Clark's record-breaking performance with a grain of salt because she played an extra year because of COVID and is not a true senior. She shoots 40 times a game and is 25 years old. This is how stupid Cheryl Swoops is. Cheryl Swoops is not 25. She literally just turned 22. She's in her fourth year. She does not average 40 shots a game. She averages 20 shots a game, uh, 22 shots a game. And because we all know this, because she is a white woman in a sport dominated by big, nasty sisters, she is going to go to a league that she will be within, oh, I don't know, a month of being in there going, this is insane. Uh, This is from Jason Whitlock. She's going to face a level of racism from black players. She's going to face a level of hostility from lesbian players because she's not on Team LGBTQ. She's Catholic. She's got a boyfriend, which means she's going to walk into an extremely hostile environment. My wife will tell you stories about the anger of lesbians that will make your skin crawl. Clay is up here next. I got to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow.